Last week I stood. I don't know why I stood. I, I never stand and uh, I just did. And uh, I was going to stand again today and then I'm like, no, I'm going to sit again. I don't know why I was standing. Maybe it was because the gift we had last week was so big that I thought um, I won't be able to see over it if I sit down. And so um, don't worry, a gift is coming. I know some of you are like, I want to know. It's like Christmas morning. Um, but for those of you that might have not been here over the last couple of weeks, we've been in a series that we've entitled Spread the Fire. And uh, it, our huddles, our groups that meet during the week on Sunday nights or on um, Wednesday evenings have been reading a book that's called Spread the Fire. And it talks about the baptism in the Holy Spirit and how that works or fits in today's culture. And uh, it kind of goes through a lot of details and information that I'm not covering in the sermons, but uh, it kind of supplements that. And so there are a few copies available on the Welcome Center. If you don't have one, you can sure pick one up. And uh, we, as last week, we talked about the Holy Spirit is a good gift from a good father. Luke chapter 11 really defines that really clearly for us. And I know that many of us, because of our experiences with not just the, not with the Holy Spirit, but with people filled with the Holy Spirit in the past, have a hard time wrapping our minds around it. And last week, I used a Keurig. Uh, we opened it up and uh, we, we talked about it and we we use that as an illustration of how some of us deal with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We treat it as an, an unnecessary thing or maybe just something that's kind of an extra thing that, you know, if that's your thing and you want to have it, then, you know, I'll just have my auto drip coffee maker or my French press or whatever, or my Sanka or whatever you drink. And uh, does anyone even know what Sanka is? Yeah. Okay, a few people. Good, praise God. Um, and so it... Uh, you know, we, we kind of, because of our experiences, do that. Um, because of our good experiences. You know, we all have people in our lives that are believers that have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but yet there's a lot of fruit in their life or there's a lot of good works that come out of their life. And we think, well, you know, they don't need the baptism in the Holy Spirit, so why, why do I? And, uh, you know, some people have experienced some bad things. We've seen some things where we're like, well, I don't know if that could be the Holy Spirit because that's really weird or that offends people. And so that can't be the Holy Spirit. And so because of experience, we're basing it off whether we want to receive or not. And over these last weeks, we've encouraged you and I've challenged you, what does the word say? I don't really care what our experience is, good or bad. What does the scripture say? And last week, we were comforted to know that the Holy Spirit is a good gift from a good father. And uh, we kind of looked at the book of Acts, and uh, I, a couple things I just want to maybe pull out or maybe finish, because last week I didn't get to these things, and chapters five and six in the book are really practical chapters, and th they talk about uh, the Sunday morning worship service or how to help people receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit or lead them in that, and there's a few things that I want to pull out of that before we kind of jump into where we are uh, for this week, but as I pointed out last week, in the book of Acts chapter two, the day of Pentecost, the believers, are they receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit for the first time, and then Peter and John... I want you to notice, Peter and John in Acts chapter 3 are on their way to the prayer service. In our day and age, prayer services and worship services has become something we go to to get filled up. And so if, we minister, if we're on the way, some of us aren't filled up enough to minister to people along the way. And then we come to a service and we're like, well, I didn't get anything out of that. Are you, are you here? 
Okay, so Acts chapter three, on the way, this guy gets healed. And right after the day of Pentecost, so we think, because it was Acts chapter two, now it's Acts chapter three, and then they get arrested for it, and they get threatened, and they say, if you don't stop this, you're not, we're gonna do some bad things to you. And so in Acts chapter four, they pray for a greater boldness. God, help us to be bold. They've threatened us, but we know that we're supposed to stay true to your word. We're supposed to do these things, so help us be true to it and give us strength. And then it says the place was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, even though they were already filled with the Holy Spirit back in Acts chapter two. And what, what some of us do is we read those chapters and we're like, well, that maybe was like a week or a month, but it was four years, three chapters, four years. And that's important because then if we go all the way to Acts chapter 12, that's another six to eight years. And why it's important to read through these chapters and understand this is a long period of time. Because we sometimes sensationalize the book of Acts. Now, I don't want to tell you because the scripture's clear that lots of miracles weren't taking place because they were. But lots of miracles over a span of four, six, eight, twelve years. And so what, what we have to understand is there were days, maybe weeks, maybe months where just like us, life was like a daily grind Maybe there wasn't a miracle. Maybe there wasn't an answer to prayer. Maybe it was just, I still got to go to the temple and pray. They went to the temple and prayed every single day together. They fellowshiped together for four years, day after day after day after day. They were just faithful to it. And they were empowered by the Spirit, but there was also this sense of, I'm going to do it whether I feel like it or not. And for some of us, if the worship service doesn't make us emotional, we're like, well, I guess I don't have anything for this week. And I'm trying to help us understand, the book is trying to help us understand, the scripture tries to help us understand the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not just an emotional lift, and it's not just an emotional roller coaster ride. The power of the Holy Spirit should operate in our lives regularly. Just this morning, I was standing out here in the foyer, and someone came to me and said, you know, there's some things going on in my life, and would you just take some time to pray for me? And uh, I was trying <laughs> to take time to pray for them, and then someone came up and said, hey, do I, should I give this to you, or should I put this in your mailbox? And then someone else came up and asked me another question, and there's all of this stuff going on. But I'm like locked in because I'm like, I want to pray for this person. They asked me to pray for them. So then we came in here, and I'm like, let's just go in right in that back corner back there, because I didn't say, let's go down here where it's spiritual, just that back corner. And the only reason we did that was to get away from people. <laughs> Not that we didn't like you. And uh, it's funny because they said, you must really like Sunday mornings. <laughs> and I said, you know, it actually used to bother me. It used to like, you know, all these different things bombarding me. And I'm like, I got to focus and I got, I'm in the spirit. Don't talk to me. I'm, I got to preach and I'm, you know, I got to be in the spirit. And, and I, <sighs> You gotta understand, if, if we're gonna live where, I, you know, I can't be touched or I can't be talked to or I can't because I'm in the spirit, you know, nothing's gonna happen out there. Because when we're at work and it's the craziest day and everything's bombarding us and God comes along and says, hey, pray for that person, we'll be like, well, I can't focus right now or I gotta get in the spirit, I can't find Carrie Job on my prayer list, so I don't know what to do. And I, I'm trying to take that mystical aspect away from it. Now, it shouldn't be treated as common. Okay, it shouldn't be like, well, I can just, you know, do whatever I want, whenever I want, and the Holy Spirit moves at my bidding. Then let's not go to that extreme either. 
But let's understand that we are to live empowered with the Holy Spirit and have him flow out of our lives regularly. And the reason that we take time and we put a pause on the service and we allow the Holy Spirit to speak is because we believe that's in the scripture. In fact, let me... Let me just show you. I'm going a little out of order, so these are really tiny on my phone. And the problem is, let's just admit this now. Okay, if I take my glasses off, I can't see you. Okay, I don't have any idea what you're doing. I mean, I know your bodies are there, but I can't tell if you're sleeping, sticking your tongue out, whatever. But when I look close, I can't read. And so I'm at that phase of my life, and so I just, uh, you know, I'm just going to confess it. Um, so sometimes I have to go like this because I can't read. There's no way I'm going to see those little things. But anyway, 1 Corinthians 14, I know you all cared about that. It says, brothers and sisters, let's summarize. So he's just written three chapters, 12, 13, and 14, to correct some things that were going on in the Corinthian church. He says, here's the summary. When you meet together, one is going to sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given, one will speak in tongues, another will interpret, but everything that is done must strengthen all of you. Remember, people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns. Okay, that means you get to choose whether to move or not move when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's not like he just comes upon you and you just, I am out of control. No, you can be in control if you allow yourself to be in control. And that's what we have to learn to do. When the Holy Spirit speaks, let's exercise that in a way that brings benefit to everybody that's around me, not just to me. So my dear brothers, and sisters, be eager to prophesy and don't forbid speaking in tongues. So we value what the Holy Spirit has to say. And sometimes people say, well, you know, it's like we force the Holy Spirit to speak. But here's my opinion, okay? I can't prove it from the scripture, but I'm gonna tell you my opinion. I believe today in this room, the Holy Spirit spoke way more than we shared with each other. And sometimes he speaks a very personal word just to you and encourages you. But sometimes because of our just flat out, I'm not going to enter in or my laziness or, well, the worship team didn't get me in the spirit or whatever. We just don't want to activate that gift. And we're really going to talk about this next week when we talk about fanning the flame. But we, we just get lazy and we don't do it. But here's the thing. If we're not going to do it in this room, I'm guessing we're not doing it out there. And I'm not expecting people's eyes to roll back in their head or them rolling around on the floor. It's supposed to just be so simple a child can do it. Last week, I loved it when a child just said what God put in his heart to say. And here's the thing, how do we know it's the Holy Spirit? Well, as long as it doesn't contradict the word, I don't care. I mean, if it contradicts the Bible, then we're gonna correct it. And not in a mean way like you, heretic, sinner, but just in a loving way because that's what we're going to do here. Because when we get out there, the Holy Spirit wants to infect and affect people's lives. In your circle, he wants to. He wants to make the kingdom of God a reality to people. And so if we understand that in the book of Acts that it was day after day of praying and obeying and serving and just doing the right thing. Uh, Galatians chapter six, verse nine, I love that Grace alluded to this today because it, it reminds us, don't get weary doing what is good because at the right time you reap a harvest if you do not give up. You just keep doing what you know to do. People all the time are like, Pastor Tom, I don't know what to do. I, I just can't hear God. I can't get direction. I say, do the last thing he told you to do and keep doing it until he says stop. 
That's it. That's the will of God. Just keep doing what he told you to do. Some of us, because we get tired, we're like, we just quit. Not because God said stop, but because we were tired. Well, just pick yourself back up and start again. Do what he said to do and don't stop until he says stop. Whether that's prayer, whether that's ministry, whether that's whatever it is for you, just keep doing it. And at the time, you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. And then we come into the book of Acts chapter 6. And I want to look at this guy in Acts chapter 6 because he's pretty cool. His name is Stephen. And here's the thing. As the believers multiplied rapidly, there were rumblings of discontent. Okay, can I just tell you right now, people who say, well, don't go to that church because there's rumblings of discontent would have left the church in the book of Acts. As long as people live on earth, churches will have rumblings of discontent. It's okay, but it's how we deal with it that matters. And some people want to just pretend it's not there, and some people want to talk to everybody else except the right people and deal with the stuff that comes up. And I love how they deal with it in the book of Acts. They just take it head on like they're supposed to. Okay, it's not, you don't have to get upset that there's rumblings of discontent. You just have to focus and deal with them in a loving manner. The Greek-speaking believers, look at this, there's even prejudice. This is crazy. I hope this opens your eyes to the perfect book of Acts church. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. You know, real spiritual matters. (laughs) But when you're hungry and you have no other way to feed yourself, it's an important matter. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers and they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. So brothers, select seven men who are well respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. And we will give this responsibility to them. Not people who can breathe in and out, not people who are willing, not people who maybe, but people who are known to be full of the spirit and we'll put them in charge of this. And then we're introduced to this guy named Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performing amazing miracle signs and wonders among the people. And he's not an original apostle. What in the world is he doing? See, we have this thing that we think that the book of Acts, because again, we don't understand this is 12 years of time, they're learning as they go. I mean, they didn't even take the gospel to the Gentiles until God finally gave Peter a vision some five or six years later and said, Peter, take it to the Gentiles. And even then, God was probably convinced they weren't going to do it unless he baptized those believers in the spirit while Peter was preaching. And then they understood, oh, God means salvation to go to everyone, even though Jesus clearly said it back there. So for those of you in Sunday school that today were like, you know, I I hate to be ignorant. The apostles were all ignorant. (laughs) So it's okay, you're in good company. But don't remain in your ignorance. That's exactly what the apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. I do not want you to be ignorant about spiritual things. Not meaning, okay, if I were to say that to you guys, like the reason we're going through this series is I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual things. Some of you would get offended and you'd be like, who's he to say we're ignorant and we don't understand spiritual things? That's not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, I want to teach you and none of us are to the place where we know it all. And so we got to keep learning and growing and helping one another. And that's why we take time in the service to do it so that, you know, we can help each other grow. So then, this guy who's doing this, in verse 9, some, some of the other people, I, I, don't know to, I don't want to call them believers, some Jews, 
begin to debate with him. And it says that none of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. See, this isn't just about displaying power and doing miracles. This is about wisdom and grace. The Holy Spirit isn't just about supernatural things and powerful things and loud things and fun services and a good time in the Holy Ghost. That's not what this is about. This is about being able to answer someone with a wisdom that doesn't come from you but comes directly from God. Not so that you can silence them and put them in their place, but so that hopefully they'll come to a place where they accept the gospel of Jesus Christ. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is all about people coming into the kingdom. That's all it's about. And it's about empowering people to do that. And so that's why we take time in the service. That's why we take time at the altar time to respond to the word of God. And we do it because we want God to move in our hearts, to seal things in our hearts. I don't just preach a message so that you can intellectually put it in your brain and then walk out of here with some intellectual assent that you can just spout off all the answers to people. I do it so that you can then say, Holy Spirit, make that a reality in my heart and in my life. And Every time you open this book, you should do that. Every time you open that book, you should take time and say, God, make this a reality in my heart. Don't just make it something I know in my brain. Make it a reality in my life. Because if we hear the word and we don't put it into practice, James says we deceive ourselves. We get to the place where we no longer even hear God's voice. And so when it comes to the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I'm not big on formulas you know, I'm, I'm not going to say that it, you know, it's got to be at an altar time, it's got to be here, because in the book of Acts, some people were baptized in the Holy Spirit when they were praying, some people were baptized in the Holy Spirit when someone was preaching, some people were baptized in the Holy Spirit when people laid hands on them, and I've known people that have been baptized in the Spirit in their car, in their house, in someone else's house, in a small group, in a prayer time, in a service, and so all we're doing in this room is making a fireplace for the Holy Spirit to send fire. You can't create fire. He does, but we can build a fireplace so that he can send fire. And sometimes you think that that voice or that word that you have in your mind is just you. It might not be. And the only way you're going to know is to exercise faith and speak it out or do it. If you feel like you should go and and pray for someone, if you should share a word, if we don't do those things in this room, we're not going to do them out there. And there are so many people in this city that need the kingdom of God to come into their lives. And you're gonna rub shoulders with them this week. I'm gonna rub shoulders with them this week. And the question is, are we gonna be tuned into what the spirit is saying so that when we rub shoulders with them, we deposit the kingdom there? Or are we gonna be so spastic about our jobs and all of the chaos around us and we're gonna be like, well, I can't focus right now. I mean, I know what that's like. But we have to believe that God has given us his Holy Spirit to help us in that. And so, without any further ado, allow me to go over to the tree and find out what Jesus, not Santa, has left for us today. (laughs) And uh, sure enough, he left us another present today with a big bow on it. And last week we used the Keurig, and I want to remind you again, even though I see that most of you have got the point, um, (laughs) that if you fill out your Connect card, you get a chance to win the gifts that we're unwrapping. Last week was a Keurig. This week, 
yet to be seen. Uh, next week, we're going to unwrap one more gift, and it's my favorite. I was telling my mom about this this week, and I swore her to secrecy, said you can't tell anyone because uh, I don't want anyone to know, and she just laughed. She's like, you are hilarious, and I'm like, well, I feel like it was God, so if it, if it helps someone understand the baptism in the Holy Spirit, good. Um, but on Christmas Eve, we're going to draw winners, and every time you put a Connect card in, you get a chance to win one per family per week, so you know, don't have every member of your family write one in, one per family per week, and we'll draw it. You do not have to be present on Christmas Eve to win. Uh, we'll make sure you get your gift because we know that on Christmas Eve, many of you are going to travel to different places, and that's a great, but uh, over the month of December, as you put your Connect card in, you get a chance to win. So some of you are like, okay, stop talking and just open the gift, and uh, somebody said last week that, uh, you know, I hope it's a, or just yesterday, I hope it's a gun. Because I, I wanted to be not giving away a gun. But uh, it is a little bit more manly maybe than last week's Keurig for some of you. And so uh, we have a nice DeWalt uh, cordless drill. comes with two batteries. And uh, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I feel like this is a great way to help us understand what it's about. And, uh, you know, I hate to refer to the Holy Spirit as a tool because he's not a tool, he's a person, okay? He's a person, he lives inside of us. But this drill really helps us understand because the Holy Spirit comes at salvation and he teaches us, he empowers us, he guides us. And a, a drill is a little more effective than this. This will get the job done, okay? But this will get the job done more effectively, and so the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and he gives us a lot of abilities. He gives us the ability to deposit the kingdom in others. And we talked about, you know, the baptism in the Holy Spirit being like the gasoline in a car. And we can push a car down the street and make it somewhere. But when the, the Holy Spirit gives us gas in the tank, he just enables the job to get done a little bit more effectively or a lot more effectively in this case. Because when you're trying to share the gospel with someone and there's a, a, a block and they're just not getting it. And all of a sudden you get a picture in your mind of something and you say, you know, does this mean anything to you? And someone instantly, because of that picture, the block becomes, it just comes down. The wall comes down and their hearts get open. They can understand the gospel. Or when you lay hands on someone and you pray for them, now we can lay hands on people from the day of salvation and ask for God to heal them. But when a gift of healing comes upon us, like on the day, but Peter and John said, stand up and walk. They didn't pray for the guy to be healed. They said, in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. Well, how did they know to do that? Well, they developed a relationship with the Holy Spirit when they knew it was time. They said, stand up and walk. And if we never pray for people, we're probably never going to go that far either. And so the baptism in the Holy Spirit becomes like this drill. It becomes more effective. But now, how many of you know, if you don't charge the batteries for this thing, it becomes very ineffective? I know that very well. My wife all the time says, why don't you charge the batteries? She uses the drill more than I do. And... Uh, it's just, it, it is what it is. And so, but the, the batteries are never charged when she goes for it. And so, you know, in the book of Ephesians, the apostle Paul says, be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-time encounter. It's learning to live with the Holy Spirit in relationship so that we can always make sure that we're in essence charged up. Now, I want to pause for just a second because whenever you use an illustration like this, someone is bound to get offended because I was in a, a meeting with a bunch of pastors in the community many, many years ago. 
Um, and the pastor who said, made this comment wasn't even, uh, isn't even in town anymore, but he said, you know, I love how all of the churches are so different and they all bring something different to the table. And he said, uh, and he just happened to be a Pentecostal pastor. And he said, uh, it's like a hamburger. You know, we all like our hamburger a little bit different. And, you know, some are just ketchup and mustard and some churches, you know, maybe out of pickle or, and someone in the room said, yeah, and I suppose you're the hamburger with everything on it. And you could, you know, you could cut the tension in the room with a knife. And, you know, I do not believe the baptism in the Holy Spirit makes anyone a better Christian than others. And I know that some people, when they present it, do it with an air of arrogance and superiority. But I think some people just hear it that way also. But I don't know how else to explain it other than to say the baptism in the Holy Spirit makes a difference in our lives. And if you're going to say, well, prove it by experience, I'm not going to say, well, I'm going to say prove it by the word. And this should be our guide. And we should want our experience to match this, not just what we want it to match. And so I know that over time, the baptism in the Holy Spirit has become a negative thing for some, but please don't hear it that way. And don't think that in any way we're saying that people who are baptized in the Holy Spirit are somehow better than other people. In chapter 7, um, it's called Every Room in the Palace, chapter 7 in our book. And if you've got a Bible, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 19. And I promise that we're going to get there eventually. Um, I feel like this sermon is a whole lot different than a normal sermon. Um, in fact, the last couple sermons have felt really more pastoral um, teachy than they maybe have been sermons. And so uh, I, in ways I'm out of my comfort zone and maybe that's why I stood last week. I don't know. But uh, um, I want you to understand that when it comes to the baptism in the Holy Spirit, um, the fullness of the Holy Spirit should not be measured by how much we think we contain, how many answers we have or how many gifts of the Spirit we have. Or the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives is measured by the overflow in our lives. And not just how loud we are when we worship, but how many people are impacted with the kingdom influence that flows out of our lives. Okay, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is about empowering us to be able to influence more people. The Studying the scripture, Sunday school class, worship services, uh, Bible studies, prayer times, all of that is about learning to be filled with the Holy Spirit. When we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, like we talked about um, in Sunday school class today, it's not going to be, you know, it's not a written quiz. You know, it's not a Bible test. He's not going to ask us for information. Basically, the, the judgment seat of Christ says you're going to be judged on what we did or did not do with what we had been entrusted. Every word that we spoke. And so Sunday school classes and worship service and Bible studies and prayer meetings and baptism in the Holy Spirit and all of these things help equip us. But if all we do is bring in information and we never release the kingdom to anyone, we're not really doing anything. All we're doing is reading the manual for the drill, but we're not picking it up and actually drilling anything. Are you, do you understand what we're saying? And so we've got to make sure that there's an overflow in our lives that actually is affecting other people's. And we don't make it happen. I believe God makes it happen. And I believe if we would just be willing and obedient and just take steps of faith and not be so filled with pride because I don't want to look foolish, that the Holy Spirit would do a lot more in our lives. I believe he's saying and doing a lot right now, and you and I are the ones that are hindering him. Yeah, I know that's not pleasant to say or hear, but it's true. 
Some of us are just afraid to take that step of faith. And if we would just take that step, I believe we would see all kinds of things in our lives. But in chapter seven of the book, he reminds us, or he uses the analogy of a palace. And uh, it's a great analogy if you haven't read the chapter yet. But he talks about when we become believers, we become sons and daughters of the king. We are invited to live in his palace. And we have access to the palace, to every room in the palace. And he reminds us of the work that the Holy Spirit does. He gives us access to the Father. He reminds us about the Father's love. He brings us into the living room, into the sitting room, into the library, into all of the rooms in the palace. He teaches or he produces the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. That's a word of the Holy Spirit, love, joy. And so if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you would think that there would be even more fruit evidenced in our lives. And yet oftentimes we actually see less fruit in Pentecostal people. Pentecostal people can be some of the most in, in, uh, offensive people on the planet. And that should not be the case. In fact, the only people that Jesus offended were very religious, staunchy people. Never offended the, the sinners or the tax collectors. And yet Pentecostal people have a tendency to do that, but we should allow the Holy Spirit to also work fruit in our lives. He convicts us of sin. He cleanses us. He actually develops true holiness in our lives, not just a a list of what I do and do not do. He produces genuine holiness in our lives, and we'll talk about that in a moment. He guides us into all truth. He teaches us things. He reminds us things. He brings light to us. And by the way, the drill has a light. I know it's even like more of an illustration about the Holy Spirit because he lights the way too. Isn't that great? Um, Yeah. But he also sends, it's going to get way cheesier than this, I promise you. Um, But these are things that you're never going to forget, I hope anyway. So um, he sensitizes our hearts. He sensitizes our hearts. Because I want you to understand something. When the Holy Spirit comes to live in our lives, holiness is about making him comfortable. Okay, the best way I have to illustrate it is this. If, if you know there's something that bothers, annoys another person, maybe like the sound of duct tape ripping off a box or something, um, if you're a friend to that person, you're not going to do that around that person because you don't want to irritate them. Now, I know we all jokingly do things, but literally, you're not going to do that. Think of it this way. Uh, I have a cat allergy. And when I'm around a cat, and I, know, I love it when I go to people's homes and they, um, they clean, they do all these things to prepare the house because it shows that they understand that I have an allergy and they're taking all these steps to try to make sure that it doesn't affect me. Um, but generally it affects me in a way that, you know, I have to take Benadryl and it takes a couple days to clean out my lungs and I'm not going to die from it or anything. It's just uncomfortable. And so you have to understand, if I'm going to fellowship with someone for a long time and be at comfort and peace, it's best to do it in an atmosphere where there's not a cat present. It's not that I don't like, well, I don't like cats, but maybe my, my dislike for them comes from that because they, they irritate my lungs and so it bothers me. So think of the Holy Spirit moving into your life just like that. He's allergic to sin. And when we begin to walk with him and fellowship with him and we understand this is offensive to him, we want to get it out of our lives. It's not about, I don't, I just, I want you to be more comfortable in my life because I want the effects of you in my life. I want to know the love of God, the power of God. I want to know the presence of God in a fuller way. And sometimes we can't experience that in all of its fullness with the junk 
in our lives as well. So he helps sensitize our hearts. So the baptism in the Holy Spirit, as he talks about in the book, kind of opens up some other rooms in the palace to us. The supernatural giftings of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit. And some of us think that those gifts operate in a way where, again, it's a loud, boisterous thing, but it, it's not. In fact, I had someone this week that sent me a text and said, uh, you know, I was, I was praying and I got a picture. At least I thought it was a picture. It was more like a word and I don't, I don't know. And, and so I love that they're wrestling with it because I went through that. If you remember when Pastor Brittany was here and she, when we would pray on Sunday morning, she'd get pictures left and right. And I'd always be like, I know what your pictures mean. I felt like I could, uh, when we would pray together on Sunday mornings, it was great because she would get this picture and then I would pray something and she's like, wow, you can under, and I'm like, but I never see a picture. Um, but then I started like, I don't know if I actually saw the picture or just had a thought, but the picture really opened up the conversation I was having with someone and, or I prayed something over them and they, it really did a, a work in their lives. And so whether or not I saw the picture or just thought the picture, I don't know, but it wasn't like I instantly knew, yep, yeah, that's the Holy Spirit. I had to grow in it. And now, even at times when I get a picture and I'm like, I should pray over that person, but that picture's really weird and I don't know how to pray it. And uh, we just had an experience like this and I, I was trying to figure it out and then all of a sudden someone else prayed and I was like, oh, I see the rest of it now. And then I prayed that and it ministered to the person I was praying for at the time. And so the gifts of the Spirit have to be learned in our lives. There's an instruction manual but sometimes you just have to put your hand on the drill and start figuring it out. You can read the manual for this thing and think you got it, but then when you actually start using it, you're like, oh, that's what it means in the manual. Does that make sense? And so we're trying to take the mystical aspect away from it so that we would take more steps in it. And so when the baptism in the Holy Spirit opens up these rooms in our lives, it's like the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, period. I know there's a comma there, but think about this for a moment. People say, well, why do I need to pray in, in, the, in tongues? Right there, you're strengthened personally. I don't care if you do it out loud in front of everybody, but at least if you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you pray in that prayer language, you, you get strengthened personally. You get empowered. You begin to understand things. And you, here's the thing. Some, some of you are waiting till you, are, you have every possible doubt in your mind ever confirmed before you take the step of faith, and it will never come. It will never come. There's no way that you, beyond every possible doubt, have understood salvation, and yet you took the step of faith to receive it by faith. And the gift of the Holy Spirit is the exact same way. Paul goes on to say, if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying. I do not understand what I'm saying. So why do it? Paul goes on to say, what should I do? I will pray in the spirit. I will pray in words I understand. I will sing in the spirit. I will sing with words I understand. In Jude, Jude says, build yourselves up, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. In the book of Romans, the apostle Paul, when he's talking about praying, says the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. I mean, does Paul say we, is Paul saying we never know? 
No, we know some things that God wants us to pray for, but sometimes we don't. And the Holy Spirit prays for us. Not like the Holy Spirit is in heaven saying, God, I am now praying for Pastor Tom down there on earth that you would help him. That's not what he's doing. He's praying for me. Meaning I pray in the Spirit, but he's actually the one giving the request. And sometimes my brain about a situation is a roadblock. I don't know how to pray, or I want to pray selfishly. And sometimes I pray in the Spirit because I know that he'll pray the right way. And sometimes you begin to understand what you're praying, and sometimes you don't. But you trust that that is the Spirit praying through you. In Ephesians chapter 6, pray in the Spirit at all times, on every occasion. Now, the baptism in the Holy Spirit doesn't add to our salvation, but it, it kind of, it maybe adds flavor. I don't know. No matter how I say it, somebody's going to get offended by it, so I don't know what to say, but just read the Bible. <laughs> that surely won't be offensive to anyone. <laughs> yeah, you got that. Ephesians 5, 5.18. Do not get drunk with wine. That is wickedness, corruption, stupidity. But be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit and constantly guided by him. That's the whole point. So I know I told you to go to Luke chapter 19 and some of you are like, are we ever getting out of here today? We're here. And we're not gonna spend a lot of time here, but I felt like I had to say all of that to say what's in Luke chapter 19. And then we're going to pick up next week um, with Luke chapter 19 and then kind of build off of that and uh, go from there. But Luke chapter 19, we're in chapter 11. This is what it says. Jesus is talking to the people around him and it says, while they were listening to this, verse 11, chapter 19, book of Luke, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. Okay, so the people think Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and he's going to become the physical Messiah right now and set them free from every Roman rule and everything, a military invasion right now is going to happen. And because of that, Jesus says this parable. A man of noble birth himself went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. He called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects, the Jews, hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. Okay, he's speaking to the people that are about to kill him. And they understand the parable. He was made king, however, and he returned home. Then he sent for the servants. Okay, not just his subjects. Everyone on earth is a subject of the king. Okay, but we choose to become servants of the king. Okay? He sent for the subjects to whom the money had been given in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your mina, okay, that's singular, notice that, your mina has earned 10 more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter. Take charge of 10 cities. The second came and said, Sir, your mina, singular, has earned five more. His master answered, You take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you. 
You are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I'm a hard man, taking out what I did not put in, reaping what I did not sow? Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his mina away from him. Give it to the one who has 10 minas. Sir, they said, he already has 10. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. Now, Jesus told another story in Matthew chapter 25 that's very similar to this story. It's called the parable of the talents. Now, the word talent and the word mina are just measures of money in a biblical day, okay? And so, you have to understand that when Jesus says in Matthew 25 that he gave them talents, that talent is about, one talent is about 20 years wage, okay? 20 years wage. A mina, however, is a little bit different. A mina is about six months wage, so it's significantly less than a talent. Now, when Jesus told this story, I don't believe Jesus just said, well, today I'll use talent, and then on this day, well, I'll use mina. There's a point that Jesus is trying to make, and I hope we can understand that. In the book of Matthew, he gave one servant five talents. That's five years, that's 100 years worth of earnings. That's what he gave him. One of those servants got two. 40 years worth, and one got one, 20 years worth. And in that parable, they were given them according to their ability. In this parable, they were all given one mina, 10 servants, 10 minas. Now, we're only reported on three of them, but all 10 would have given a report, but Jesus is just showing us three. All 10 of them did something with it or got some level of report, but they each got one of the 10 that he deposited. There's two different meanings in the parables, but the same thing, faithfulness with what we've been given is what the goal or what's emphasized in the parables. In this parable of the minas, they are given equally something. The only thing that every one of us has been given equally Okay, it's not our giftings, it's not our callings, it's not our talents, it's not our wealth, it's not our influence, it's not our upbringing, because all of that's been measured out differently. Some of us come from a uh, hundred, from the five mina type of family or background, some of us from the two mina, and it doesn't matter what you get. As long as it's multiplied, because the one that got five earned five, and the one that got two earned two, and he said the same to both of them. Well done, you receive your reward. And the reward was the same. The same. Okay? So see, sometimes we think, well, the evangelist who has a different calling than me is going to get rewarded better than me who has very little influence. No, no, no. The calling gets rewarded based on faithfulness equally. Okay? So if you're a great evangelist and billions come into the kingdom, or you're just a stay-at-home mom and like 
just a few people come into the kingdom, if you were both equally faithful, multiplying your calling, you get rewarded equally in the kingdom, okay? Because it was measured out differently. It wouldn't be fair otherwise. That's what Matthew 25 teaches us. But in this one, they're rewarded based on how much they multiplied it. The one who had one and got 10 was rewarded 10 times. The one who multiplied it and got five was five times. That means every one of us in this room has the same playing field. We've received salvation. We've received the same revelation. We've received the same Holy Spirit. All in this room, equal access to all of it. Some will multiply that 10 times. Some will multiply that five times. Some who are afraid may not multiply that at all. And I promise you on judgment day, no matter whether you got 10, five, or one, whether you hit it, it's all gonna feel inadequate. I mean, you're not gonna get to heaven and be like, Lord, I gained 10. You're gonna be like, Lord, I only gained 10. I could have done so much more. Because when you see him face to face, how much time and money we wasted on earth is gonna become a reality. And what I'm hoping is that you and I start to get a glimpse of that now so that we can start taking steps to give him more time, to give him more money, to give him more of ourselves so that the kingdom can flow through our lives with greater influence now instead of when it's too late. All of us have to make choices. We have to choose to obey. We have to choose what we're going to pursue, what we're going to value, what we're going to invest in. You know, I was so hard on Netflix last week. I don't know why I was so hard on Netflix. But you and I have to choose whether we're going to waste our time on a Netflix marathon or whether we're going to go after the kingdom. And here's the thing. It's not going to send you to hell. I'm not going to stand up here and preach. If you go to a movie, if you watch Netflix, you're going to hell but it's gonna cost you. And you just have to decide, is it worth the cost? Because if you pursue the kingdom with more energy, more time, more money, more resource, more value, more investment, <laughs> it's never gonna be wasted. But we can waste our time, our money, our energy on a lot of things here on earth. And the problem is, Jesus warns us, don't get too entangled in the cares of this life because it's deceitful. And it will choke out the fruitfulness of your life. And it could eventually lead you to a place where you completely walk away from God. But it won't happen overnight. And it won't happen just with one choice. So the goal is not to be the one who hides what we've been given. But to keep investing and building. Asking, seeking, knocking, obeying, trusting, yielding, humbling, stepping out. And just allowing God to do it. Because you may only invest it up to five, but invest it up to five. Maybe you only invest it to two, but invest it to two. And so wherever you are today, invest more of yourself in the kingdom. That's the goal of the parable of the minus. Yield more to the power of the Holy Spirit so that God can work through your lives in a greater way than he ever has before. I want to invite the worship team to come back. We're going to close the service again with the song, the same song that we sang just last week. And we're just going to give you an opportunity 
to allow the Holy Spirit to work in your heart. If you're here and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you want someone to pray with you, in a moment when we start, I'm gonna invite our prayer team here to the front and you wanna be prayed for, we'd love the opportunity to pray with you. You don't have to be prayed for. If you wanna pray on your own, you wanna come to the altar, just get alone. If you wanna stay at your seat, uh, just allow the Holy Spirit to work in your heart today. What's he spoken to you? What's he spoken to you? What does the parable of the minas do in your heart? Where are you right now? And just allow him to open up some rooms that may be in the palace that haven't been opened up to you before. Would you stand with me? I wanna read you a story. It's from a book that I read this last week or just a few weeks ago and I put it in my notes and uh, it's been in my notes every week and I wanna read it today because I feel like it illustrates exactly what we've been talking about. It says, the second born son of the church's pastor suffered brain damage at birth. And the doctor said that he would never talk or walk. Experts informed the pastor and his wife that their son would be a vegetable the rest of his life, however short it would be. God spoke to the pastor and said, where am I? The pastor responded on your throne in heaven. Jesus, he felt like the Lord said back to him, no, I live in you. Therefore, I want you to speak to your son's brain and create a new one. Oh, I know some of you red flags going up right now, but listen, just listen. Just as I once spoke and created everything you see. So the pastor was obedient and spoke to his son's brain every day in the name of Jesus. His son eventually began to speak. The Lord instructed him to do the same for his legs at the age of six. That's a lot of days. He began to walk. I personally have played golf with that son. He's now married with three children. See, sometimes we think when God says to do it, we're going to pray it and it's just going to happen. Boom. And here's the thing. Sometimes it does. But do you and I believe it enough that for six years we'll say the same declaration? We'll believe the same thing? But don't base it off of that guy's experience. What does this book say? What does it say? Not what have you experienced, not what has someone else taught you. What does this book say? So I wanna encourage you as we take some time to pray, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. And so Father, I thank you today for the gift of your son. Thank you, Jesus, for willingly coming to this earth and opening up everything to us. Opening up a relationship with our Father, opening up every part of the kingdom to us. Holy Spirit, I pray for faith. I pray for boldness. I pray for courage. I pray for wisdom to help us begin to understand your kingdom in a greater way than we ever have before. Help us to overcome the doubts, the fears, the unbeliefs that we have. Help us always to be true to your word, to the revelation that we have of who you are and how you've worked. So seal these words in our hearts over these next few moments, I pray.
In Jesus' name, amen.
Father, I ask that you bless this church, that you'd bless them and keep them. God, that you would cause your face to shine on them, that you would be gracious to them. God, that you'd lift up your countenance upon them and that you'd give them peace. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, if you need to be dismissed, just do it quietly and let this be a place of prayer for those that maybe want to spend some more time in prayer. Our prayer team is here in the front. If you want prayer for anything, we'd love the opportunity to pray for you. God bless you as you go today.